0: The boat moved with a nauseous, relentless rhythm, like someone chewing on a rotten tooth. The islands, just visible through the mist, also looked like teeth, Faith decided. Not fine, clean Dover teeth, but jaded, broken teeth, jutting crookedly amid the wash of the choppy grey sea. The mailboat chugged its dogged way through the waves, greasing the sky with smoke. Osprey, said Faith, through chattering teeth, and pointed her six-year-old brother howard twisted around too slow to see the great bird as its pale body and dark fringed wings vanished into the mist faith winced as he shifted his weight on her lap at least he had stopped demanding his nursemaid is that where we are going howard squinted at the ghostly islands ahead yes how rain thudded against the thin wooden roof above their heads The cold wind blew in from the deck, stinging Faith's face. In spite of the noise around her, Faith was sure she could hear faint sounds coming from the crate on which she sat. Rasps of movement, breathy slithers of scale on scale. It pained Faith to think of her father's chiny snake inside, weak with the cold, coiling and uncoiling itself in panic with every tilt of the deck. Behind her, Raised voices competed with the keening of the gulls and the fud, fud, fud of the boat's great paddles. Now that the rain was setting in, everybody on board was squabbling over the small sheltered area toward the stern. There was room for the passengers, but not for all of the trunks. Faith's mother, Myrtle, was doing her best to claim a large share for her family's luggage, with considerable success. Sneaking a quick glance over her shoulder, Faith saw Myrtle waving her arms like a conductor, while two deckhands moved the sundry trunks and crates into place. Today, Myrtle was waxen with tiredness and shrouded the chin with shawls, but, as usual, she talked through and over everyone else, warm, bland, and unabashed, with a pretty woman's faith in others' helpless chivalry. Thank you there, right there, "'Well, I am heartily sorry to hear that, but it cannot be helped. "'On its side, if you do not mind. "'Well, your case looks very durable to me. "'I am afraid my husband's papers and projects will not endure the weather, "'so the Reverend Erasmus Sunderly, the renowned naturalist, how very kind. "'I am so glad that you do not mind.' "'Beyond her, round-faced Uncle Miles was napping in his seat, "'blithely and easily as a puppy on a rug.' Faith's gaze slipped past him to the tall, silent figure beyond. Faith's father, in his black priestly coat, his broad, brimmed hat overshadowing his high brow and hooked nose. He always filled Faith with awe. Even now he stared out toward the grey horizons with his unyielding basilisk stare, distancing himself from the chilly downpour, the reek of bilge and coal smoke, and the ignominious arguing and jostling. Most weeks she saw more of him in the pulpit than she did in the house, so it was peculiar to look across and see him sitting there. Today she felt a prickle of pained sympathy. He was out of his element, a lion in a rain-lashed sideshow. On Myrtle's orders, Faith was sitting on the family's largest crate, to stop anybody from dragging it out again. Usually, she managed to fade into the background, since nobody had attention to spare for a fourteen-year-old girl with wooden features and a mud-brown plait. Now she winced under resentful glares, seared by all the embarrassment that Myrtle never felt. Myrtle's petite figure was positioned to impede anybody else from trying to insert their own luggage under cover. A tall, broad man with a knuckly nose seemed about to push past her with his trunk, but she cut him short by turning to smile. Myrtle blinked twice, and her big blue eyes widened, taking on an earnest shine, as if she had only just noticed the person before her with clarity. Despite her pink-nipped nose and weary pallor, her smile still managed to be sweet and confiding. Thank you for being so understanding, she said. There was the tiniest, tired break in her voice.